Live podcast, Catechism of the Catholic Church, in a year. Today is day number 219, and we begin with number 1639, 38, excuse me. From a valid, mar- from a valid marriage arises a bond between the spouses, which by its very nature is perpetual and exclusive. Furthermore, in a Christian marriage, the spouses are strengthened and, as it were, consecrated for the duties and the dignity of their state by a special sacrament. The consent by which the spouses mutually give and receive one another is sealed by God himself. From their covenant arises an institution, confirmed by the divine law, even in the eyes of society. The covenant between the spouses is integrated into God's covenant with man. Authentic married love is caught up into divine love. Thus, the marriage bond has been established by God himself in such a way that a marriage concluded and consummated between baptized persons can never be dissolved. This bond, which results from the free human act of the spouses and their consummation of the marriage, is a reality henceforth irrevocable and gives rise to a covenant guaranteed by God's fidelity. The church does not have the power to contravene this disposition of divine wisdom. By reason of their state in life and of their order, Christian spouses have their own special gifts in the people of God. This grace proper to the sacrament of matrimony is intended to perfect the couple's love and to strengthen their indissoluble unity. By this grace, they help one another to attain holiness in their married life and in welcoming and educating their children. Christ is the is the source of this grace. Just as of old God encountered his people with a covenant of love and fidelity, so our Savior, the spouse of the church, now encounters Christian spouses through the sacrament of matrimony. Christ dwells with them, gives them the strength to take up their crosses and so follow him, to rise again after they have fallen, to forgive one another, to hear one another's burdens, to be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, and to love one another with supernatural, tender, and fruitful love. In the joys of their love and family life, he gives them here on earth a foretaste of the wedding feast of the Lamb. How can I ever express the happiness of a marriage joined by the church, strengthened by an offering, sealed by a blessing, announced by angels, and ratified by the Father? How wonderful the bond between two believers— now one in hope, one in desire, one in discipline, one in the same service. They are both children of one father and servants of the same master, undivided in spirit and flesh, truly two in one flesh. Where the flesh is one, one, al- one also is the spirit. Conjugal love involves a totality in which all the elements of the person enter, appeal of the body and instinct, power of feeling and affectivity, aspiration of the spirit and of will. It aims at a deeply personal unity, a unity that beyond union in one flesh leads to forming one heart and soul. It demands indissolubility and faithfulness in definitive mutual giving, and it is open to fertility. In a word, it is a question of the normal characteristics of all natural conjugal love but with a new significance which not only purifies and strengthens them, but raises them to the extent of making the expression of of specifically Christian value. The love of the spouses requires, of its very nature, the unity and indissolubility of the spouse's community of persons, 
which embraces their entire life. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. They are called to grow continually in their communion through day-to-day fidelity to their marriage promise of total mutual self-giving. This human communion is confirmed, purified, and completed by communion in Jesus Christ, given through the sacrament of matrimony. It is deepened by lives of the common faith and by the Eucharist received together. The unity of marriage, distinctly recognized by our Lord, is made clear in the equal personal dignity which must be accorded to man and wife in mutual and unreserved affection. Polygamy is contrary to conjugal love, which is undivided and exclusive. Father Jack. Thanks, Bill. You know, the, um, the, as, as we kind of uh, get deeper into how marriage is, uh, affects the, the couple, right? We're, we're looking at what, how this grace really uh, is, is seen, is experienced, right? Not necessarily the source of it. The source is really simple. It's Jesus Christ. All grace flows through Jesus Christ. Um, but, but as we look to, to what marriage is and the effects of, of this sacrament, of what's the purpose of Christ raising uh, the, the dignity of this natural institution to a, a means of grace, um, which is what he does with all sacraments, right? He makes water to be raised higher in baptism so that it becomes a means of grace. He takes simple bread and wine and makes it his body and blood as a means of grace in the Eucharist, right? Um, and in marriage, he's done the same thing. He's taken a natural institution, raised it so that it can confer grace. And the catechism, I would say it's it's not exhaustive list, but it is a very uh, a profound list of particular graces that, are, that come out of marriage. Um, Christ dwelling with them, gives them the strength to take up the cross and follow him. Now that's kind of generic. But then um, says to rise up again after they have fallen, to forgive one another, to bear one another, another's burdens, to be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, and to love one another with a supernatural, tender, and fruitful love. So what are the graces? Well, they, a, a one of the most powerful would be the power to forgive one another freely and quickly. Uh, that's a grace of marriage. Um, another is, is either, I mean, it, there's a bunch, but I guess you could say to bear one another's burden is to have a certain compassion, which demands both perseverance and humility, um, which is probably even more profound at the next one, which be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then the last is that, that wonderful love that is beyond even human love that can be experienced within marriage. And what we notice about those or what we should notice is about those graces is that they're not simply personal, right? They all have a certain witness power. Um, you know, you ever see happy couples are the ones who, who forgive, not the ones who never get angry at each other, but the ones who, who are able to move past it, right? The most powerful of witnesses to, to the bond of marriage are those who uh, are able to express their love beyond just what the two of them understand, right? That, that's this part of the Christian life is, is we witness to something greater than ourselves, um, and so we look to um, look to this as as a source, as sacrament, as a source of these graces. I really, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I really love this quote from from Tertullian. It really highlights the seriousness of marriage, and I tend to use it during my uh, when I do precana with couples to cause, to kind of say, you know, when we talk about it in the church, we're not talking about you know, uh, you know. Uh, a 15 minute ceremony and a three hour reception. You know, we're not talking about 
um, kind of a let's see how quick or how much I can make the wedding about what my wants and needs are. And rather, let's see what this marriage truly is and how serious the fathers of the church took this bond. I, and this one of several quotes that I'll use, but and I it was even actually the one that I used in my sister's and brother-in-law's wedding homily, right? That it's so powerful, I think, in speaking to the reality of a of a good Catholic marriage that is done within Mass, of, of talking about how it is not just about the two of them, even though it is so much focused on the two of them there. Um, and so when we look to that, what is it highlighting? It's highlighting the, the beauty of, of indissoluble and, um, and um, what's the word, exclusive love, right, that, that is found in the marriage bond. Um, I kind of laughed that the last line we used today, a uh, bill read today, was polygamy is against <laughs> against the nature of marriage, right? Because uh, because in our culture we don't really think of it too often, right? We kind of mock maybe the one group that still pra- practices polygamy, uh, debatably in uh, our in the American society, um, but but it is a problem throughout the world, and it's good to kind of be reminded that when the church speaks, she's speaking to her entire world. Um, that some of which are, are still very new to still kind of wet behind the ears in terms of li- letting go of past cultural realities. And so when the church says these things, it's, you know, for us, we would be, okay, this is kind of simple, but it's re- one, we're not living it out well. And two, uh, we need to see it at, in the, in the great picture of, of the whole system of the church and the whole culture of the church that, that actually all of these, the speaking of this exclusiveness and indissolubility we may think we're really good about exclusive love, that marriage is just between uh, a man and a woman, but are we really good about indissolubility, how comfortable we've become with divorce and uh, and infidelity in marriage, how, how common, I mean, almost, uh, every, it's almost everywhere in, um, in uh, media, both social and, uh, you know, traditional media, movies and, and music, that, we should actually see this as as an opportunity to speak more wonderfully into society of actually there's a beauty to this creation and I want to show it forth because I want to show God's plan always in the world.